Hello guys, and thank you for listening and watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living a life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. I have a word from the Lord today, guys, and it is a very interesting word, um, a word of revelation that he has given me about creation, about why we was created. Um, I know so many questions sometimes go through our minds. I know it does for me. Um, why were we created? What is this walk and this thing all about? Who is God? Where did he come from? And, you know, we have so many legitimate questions, you know. Everybody wants to know where they came from. Even, you know, sometimes with children when they're not with their biological parents, but they are adopted, they want to know where did they come from? Even though they know they have a loving family and they have, um, you know, people that love them, you still want to know at the end of the day, where did I come from? Why, where, where, where is my background? What is, what is my life all about? Why was I created? And these are the questions that we ask, you know, when we're in prayer, when we are, when we are in our long time and things of that nature. So today I want to talk about why we were, why were we created? And I want to talk about the journey from heaven to earth and back to heaven again, the journey from heaven to earth and back. You might say, well, the journey from heaven. Yeah, because we existed before we actually came here. So hold on to your seats and just hold on. I, I want to give you the revelation that God gave me. <clears throat> so now, but I'm going to start off with my story. I'm going to start off with uh, back in 2009 when I received the prophetic word that God has called me to a prophetic deliverance ministry. And when I got that word, um, I had a vision while I was standing at the altar. So the reason why I am inserting this in the teaching is because this is what happened to me when I was receiving that word. Because the word not only said that God has called me to a prophetic deliverance ministry, but it also said that you really, you know, you know that you're calling is deliverance, but sometimes you don't really want to be bothered with it. But God has called you to a prophetic deliverance ministry. And some time ago, you agreed to this. And when the prophet said you agreed to this, I immediately had a vision of me standing in heaven with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father being in the center and I was kind of standing off to, the, like if you were sitting on the throne, I was kind of standing off to the left of them, but I can see three distinct beings having a conversation with me. And when the vision came, it immediately left as fast as it came. And it was kind of like God was giving me insight on the conversation that I had with them prior to me coming to earth. I can't explain it. I'm just telling you what happened. So ever since then, I kind of knew that we existed, right? Before we actually made it to earth. So I said, well, Lord, I know the vision you gave me, but I know that everything has to line up with your word. So show me this in your word. So let's talk about it. So God gives us himself before he gives us a ministry, before he gives us a family, before he gives us 
blessing or before he gives us anything, he gives us himself first. That means that we existed before we came here to earth. We were with God first. So the journey that I'm going to talk about today is the journey from heaven to earth and then back to heaven again. So he shows me this in his word, right? There are two places in Genesis where he kept taking me to Genesis. He kept taking me to Genesis. He said, go back to the beginning. Go back to, as I was studying this, he says, go back to the beginning. So I went back to Genesis and I'm going to tell you, I kept reading Genesis and I didn't see it at first, but I said, you know, Lord, if you call me to Genesis, I'm going to sit here until you give me the revelation of why you, you know, that's me, you know, talking internally, right? So the first place in Genesis that he showed me was Genesis 1 and 26. It was like the light bulb came on. So Genesis 1, before, but before I get to 1 and 26, the, the first chapter of Genesis simply says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That lets me know there's more than one heaven. Okay? God's word is so methodical and so strategic. S is on the end of things. We have to pay attention to every part of the word. So it's because sometimes even for myself, I'll just read through the word, but I'm not really catching what God is saying. Like you kind of interpret it a different way from what the word is really saying. So you kind of have to meditate. This is why we have to meditate on the word. The Bible says meditate on the word therein day and night. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we know that there's more than one heaven. We know that there's a heaven where God dwell. There's a second heaven where the enemy dwell and earth will be the third heaven. Okay. So he showed me, okay, God created the heaven and earth. So then he takes me to Genesis 1 and 26. Genesis 1 and 26, it reads, and God says, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So here God is showing us that we have dominion, right? We have dominion over all these things, right? But I want to hone in on, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So as God began to talk about how he created the heavens and earth, and he'll go to verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now listen to me. So he created them in his image, right? Genesis 1 27. He created them male and female. Then verse 28, it says, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue its rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this is our dominion guys. So then I said, okay. So I kept reading Genesis one. So then he took me to Genesis verse uh, chapter 2, verse 7. So as I'm reading Genesis, 
We, this is the creation of Adam and Eve. But we have to know that before we get to Genesis 2 and 7, that Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, but the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now we know these scriptures, right? But what I want to highlight to you is that God had finished created male, male and female in verse uh, chapter one. He created them male and female. So we were all ready created, right? So then you go down to verse seven and, it's, and it reads, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and, and the man became a living being. Let's stop right there. God had already created, but what is he doing? Look like to me, he's creating again. The Bible says on the seventh day, he rested. Verse chapter one through 26, it reads that God created them male and female. We were already created. What was God doing in uh, Genesis two and chapter seven? I believe what I perceive the Holy Spirit was saying to me is, this is where your body suit came in, your earthly suit. He created you as a spiritual being first. And then the second part in chapter two talks about, in chapter seven, it says, I'm sorry, chapter two, verse seven, it says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east and he went on to talk about how he formed the, made the garden. And so I'm going to jump down to verse 15, where it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So let's go to the uh, um, dictionary. And I know we know what the word took mean, but I want to read this verse and read this definition. Okay. So it says, God took the man and put him in the garden to work it. So God took. What does the word took mean? The, the, the dictionary says it means to lay hold of something with one's hands and to reach for and hold. It says to remove someone or something from a particular place. So the revelation that God gave me was he created them male and female in Genesis uh, chapter, chapter 1 verse 26. He finished creating the whole heavens and earth, and he rested on the seventh day. He then began to pick up in chapter two, where it says God took man, and you know, he created He created man in verse seven. Form man from the dust of the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I believe at this moment, this is where we get our earthly suit, guys. And then he began to put them in the garden to work the garden. So Adam and Eve was not the first people that were created. They were the first to be created to work in the garden that God, he didn't formed us from the dust of the ground to give us this bodysuit. but the spirit was already cre created in chapter one, which means that you existed before God took you. And I read the definition of the word took, it means to remove someone or something from a particular place. 
So God removed us from a particular place and put us in the Garden of Eden to work the ground. And he created us from the dust. I'm telling you guys, when I was reading this, all kinds of revelation was coming forth. Because sometimes we'll read through these scriptures, right? But we don't really read the scriptures with the revealed knowledge of, of what God is saying. So why is all of this important? It's very important because God wants you to know who you are in terms of him giving you dominion. And it's very vital that you know that you existed before you came here. So the ultimate example what God showed me was he said, who is our example for how this entire process worked? Well, he showed you with Jesus. So Jesus then came to earth, but let's go back to Jesus and go back to our example. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the Bible in word form. That's him. That's him. What we read, that's him. And I know we know that, but sometimes we don't have a revelation of what God is really saying. So but then we, he talked about Jesus being our example. How is Jesus our example in all of this to provide more proof that we were created before we existed? Because everything you see about Jesus is exactly what's happening with us. For example, Jesus stepped out of time, stepped out of eternity, and he entered into time. But he entered into time. Why did he do that? He came to earth to fulfill the Father's will. For there is a purpose why we were created. We were created for God's personal pleasure, as the word says. But Jesus came to do the Father's will. So everything that Jesus did, Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example of Christianity for being a born-again believer. Never allow anyone else to be your example that would trump Jesus. Man is not your example. Jesus is your example. So a lot of times we look at flawed individuals, you know, in the church or people that are not living godly lifestyles and we all say they are hypocrites, right? And, and, and the truth is, it is what it is. But the flip side of that coin is God doesn't want us to lose sight when we see people that aren't following him or claiming to be believers or Christians, but their lifestyle does not reflect that. And the enemy does this purposely is to give the, uh, the gospel a bad rap, right? Because he wants to lead as many people astray to hell as he possibly can, either by showing us a bad example of what a Christian is or the hypocrisy of, of people or to just lead us astray because we're thinking, well, if they're saved and they can live like this, then I'm going to heaven too. And a lot of people have been led astray by this, by the examples of others have led them to hell because they have not really um, looked at Jesus as being the example, but they looked at man. But God, God wants us to keep our eyes on Jesus and Jesus shall always be your example for Christianity, not man, not the pastor, not the apostle. Now we have a standard of living of holiness. The holiness will always be the standard, but Jesus should be your example. Because we are flawed individuals. Jesus came and he did the walk without any kind of sin. He was without sin, right? He was fully God and fully human. So let's go back to Jesus. Jesus should be our example. So we, he, we know that Jesus came from heaven. He stepped out of eternity into time. That's what we did, right? 
but he stepped into time through the womb of a woman, the Virgin Mary. Remember that? He came from heaven, but he didn't come as Jesus. He came as a baby, just the way we come. We, we came from heaven. We come through the womb of a woman and we come as children and we grow up into our adulthood. That is exactly what God wants us to see. So he wants you to see, and you, and Jesus is your example for Christianity. He is your example for being a born-again believer, for being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You came from heaven, but the ultimate goal here, God really wanted me to hone in on, is for you to get back to heaven. So let's talk about it. He gave me some bullet points here. So Jesus is our example. Example. So let's look at his journey. So he existed before moving, before making an agreement with the Father to redeem men back unto himself. Just as I said to you earlier, he made an agreement with the Father. They came into agreement that he would come back to the earth to fulfill God's will, to be, um, to die on the cross, right? And to fulfill the Father's will and to save us from sin. He's the only way. So... Number two, he said, the purpose for coming to earth, every life has a purpose for existing. Some people are existing, right? And they're not really living. God said he came that, he may, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants you to have and enjoy life, right? So some people are merely existing, but they're not really living. Why? Because they're not really living in the fullness of who Christ is. They're not really in relationship with God. They have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Or some people just don't know him altogether, or some people just don't want to know him. But God says, he came that you may have life, right? So the second part of it is purpose. We know that we have a purpose. Just as Jesus had a purpose when he came from heaven to earth, God, we had a purpose. Like she told me, you have a prophetic deliverance ministry you see how a purpose was given and then I agreed to it before I came here to earth and that's what God showed me the vision of that and just as Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit had already been in agreement before he got here they already knew the plan from the end to the beginning that Jesus came with a purpose the third thing is being birthed through a woman as I mentioned as a child first and growing as an adult this is the process to come to earth and there is no other way to come to earth. The number four, he think, fourth thing he gave me was he then began to show us how to stay focused on purpose and how to deal with difficult people and circumstances. So Jesus, again, is our example on how to deal with difficult people, how to deal with circumstances. But he also knew his authority and he walked in that authority and that dominion that he had. And he let them know, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, then I can call 12 legion of angels to, we can deal with this right now and this will all be over with. But my kingdom is not of this world. He letting you know that even though I'm here in body form, that I have a kingdom, a home somewhere else. And that's what we are as believers. We have a home in heaven. We existed before we got here. So then he said, Jesus is our example for showing us how to deal with difficult people in difficult circumstances. Why is this vitally important? Because in order to walk in the things of God, in order to move into the spirit and walk in the spirit so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, we have to do it by how the word of God says we have to do it. Jesus did it according to the word, right? He lived the life according to the word of God. 
He was not a doormat. He was not a pushover. I know some people want to think that being saved means that you're a doormat and you walk with your head low and you have this false humility going on. But that is not the, the kingdom. That is not the authority that God has called us to walk into, right? Or called us to walk in. Jesus walked with authority. He came and he only answered questions that he wanted to answer. He dealt with people and he called a spade a spade. Come on, I'm going to be keeping 100. And he dealt with people accordingly, right? And he is our example of how to stay focused in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the situations. But throughout his uh, journey and his authority and his dominion that he had, he also showed the compassion and the love for people. The Bible says, love God and love people. That is the fulfillment of the law. He also cast the devil out. He also showed us what walking in the authority of Christ and walking in the dominion really look like. Although we can go in, 90% of the churches don't even do deliverance. 90% of the churches are not walking in the authority that God has called them to walk in or not living a lifestyle of holiness. So we can't look at people. We have to keep our eyes fixed, focused, locked, and engaged on Jesus as being our example. Don't ever let anyone be your example that uh, trump Jesus. Don't ever put anyone on the pedestal because we are flawed individuals, right? We're not perfect, but God does, does require progress, right? Momentum. He requires movement. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's always going forward. It's never retreating or giving in to the wills and the ways of the world or allowing the enemy to triumph over us. God has given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us access to the authority that we have. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places. So that means we're not fighting to get to victory. We're fighting from victory. There's a difference in even the, in the language, right? And God is a master strategist. He's a master architect. Everything is methodical. Everything is strategic. And the Bible says that your steps are ordered by the Lord if you allow him to be, allow them to be ordered by the Lord. So our example today should be Jesus. He shows us how to deal with difficult people. He shows us how to where to put your energy and where and where not to even put your energy. Uh, sometimes we put our focus on things that don't even matter, things that are not eternal. The Bible says it's eternity that 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 is that lives forever. We live forever in eternity. So we should be setting our eyes on the things that which are above. Sometimes we get so honed in and focused on worldly things, the things that don't even have no eternal value. And God is saying today that he has shown us the way. He has shown us how to deal with difficult circumstances. He has shown us how to cast the devil out. He has given us the authority to do that, to not live in defeat, to not live in in, in and fear and to not live in anxiety and to not live in worry and to not live broke down, busted and disgusted, but to walk in the authority that he has called us to walk into. So the power, the authority and the minute that we carry to succeed in this earth to accomplish the will of God for our lives, because we know that we have purpose. So Jesus knew his purpose prior to coming here, right? How it's accessed for us is we pray and we ask God to show us what our purpose is. We have to ask. We were not just meant to live, pay bills, have a little fun and die. We have a purpose in this earth. God says that he has 
given us the keys to the kingdom. He said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's where your dominion comes in at as a believer, as a citizen of the kingdom of God. So you want all that God has for you. You want to know every key and every access that you have so that you can use that arsenal to wreak havoc in the kingdom of darkness. But sometimes we think we were just meant to pay bills and, and to live a little bit and die. But the devil is a liar. God said he came that you may have and enjoy life and have it more abundantly. So then you might say, why not just stay in heaven and why go through all of this only to return back? I'm glad you asked because I asked the same question, right? Why do we go through all of this? First of all, we have to know that God is sovereign. We have to know that God is in control and we have to know he was the creator. He is the creator. And I remember asking God a question one day about, I can't remember what I said. I said something, you know, something I shouldn't have said basically. And he said to me, well, I could have just not created you. A lot of times we, we, we look at things, but we don't really look at them with the focus of the way God wants us to look at them. Because we might say, well, why go through all of this only to go back to heaven? God created us for his personal pleasure, right? So the first thing is there are no slaves in the kingdom of God, right? It's called free will. Even the angels uh, can choose to serve God. We've seen this because a third of the angels fell from heaven. So we know that there is a choice that God doesn't make us do anything. So why do I, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because somewhere along the line, you agree to your purpose to come here. But when you got here, it was God's desire for you to come back home once you have completed your purpose. It's called free will. It's called free will. And that's the only way that I can, I can explain it. If you, it's people in heaven that have not come here yet, that haven't been born yet. Some people just have a choice and their choice is not to come here at all. But somewhere along the lines, we agreed to something with God to come here. But God knew in order for us to survive in this atmosphere, in this earth, he had to bring Jesus he had to bring Jesus. That was the only way to make it back to him. And he was willing to sacrifice his only son. He was willing to go through a horrible death to show how much he loves us. That's why there's no shortcuts. That's why you can't scurve around Jesus to get to the father. That's why there's no other religion and there's no other way to heaven, but through Jesus, because God will not negate or he will not just throw away everything Jesus did and just say, oh, well, I don't want them to go to hell. This was the agreement. Jesus came, died a horrible death so that we can have a life and so that we can come back to the Father and live, live in eternity with him. And then he's going to create a new heaven and earth, right? God is in control. It's his thing. He do what he want to do with it. We are in the army of the Lord. That means that we are on the need-to-know basis. When you're in the army, you're on the need-to-know basis, guys. And it is our job to pursue the purpose of God and to pursue his will, his, his word, and his way. It's to pursue uh, why, we were, why we were created here on this earth. Because somewhere along the line, you agreed to it. And so now that you're here, now that we're listening to this message and we're here, 
We now just have to discover our purpose and discovering that is through the word of God, through the prayer time, through uh, fasting, through prayer and through fellowship, right? Not through religion, not the religion. Church is wonderful. It's great. I love it when it's all about Jesus, when it's all about him and when it's the, and when it's in a form of what the Bible says it should be. That's when it's a wonderful thing. But if it's just to socialize, if it's just to be feeling good, this is just to shout me into an emotional frenzy until the next week so that I can keep giving, giving, giving and paying tithes and doing things just to for financial gain or just to um, say I'm a part of something just to make myself feel better about the unclean things that I do. Come on then it's not of God. We have to make sure our eyes is fixed, focused, locked on the right thing and not the things of this world, right? Not entertainment, not socializing, right? Because it has to look like what Jesus did. Jesus has to be our example. Casting the devil out. Jesus is our example. Loving people, that's our example. Living an abundant life living a supernatural life while still living in a practical world, not being so spiritually high-minded to you're no earthly good, but having a balance in the word and the spirit, right? Too much word, religion, too much spirit, witchcraft. So we have to have a balance and it has to be focused on him. It all has to go back to him and he has to be our example. So he said, Focus on my example. Focus on my example. Jesus was our example. So we know that his kingdom was a earth was a um, a spiritual kingdom and not an earthly kingdom. And he made that clear in the scriptures. Jesus did not come to to earth expecting his disciples to fight an earthly battle to establish him as a king over an earthly kingdom. His kingdom is spiritual, not earthly. The death of Jesus was the result of God's plan, not man's rejection of Jesus. That's huge. Because a lot of times we go through rejection, right? From people, but it's the plan of God for different reasons, lots of reasons. To grow spiritually and mature us, right? And it's important that we look at things through the lens of Christ and not the lens of bitterness and not the lens of unforgiveness and not the lens of, of a victim mentality, not the lens of entitlement, not the lens of unforgiveness, not the lens of, of, of worldly things, but to look at it through the lens of Christ because he was rejected. We know we will also be rejected. The Bible says a prophet is without honor in their own home or town, right? So we know that this is a part of the process, but the process is to get as many people to come back home with us as we possibly can. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would invite you to invite him in your heart today. He is the only way. He is the only way, guys. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And the only way you're going to know him and to serve him is to have an intimate relationship with him. And he will begin to unveil and to reveal things to you. He, re re he will reveal himself in a mighty and a strong way. You will have joy. You will have supernatural peace, 
I'm not saying you will be without opposition because in this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart. I am an overcomer because I am in him. It's not because I am so great and grand. So the way it goes is separation from God is darkness. You can't exist without his presence. Anywhere his presence is absence is darkness. This is what he told me. The Holy Spirit, and he is the only way to stand in his presence in an earthly body is through receiving his son, Jesus Christ. So at the end of the day, this is about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is about using Jesus as your example to love people, to forgive people. This is about finding out what your purpose is. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this. If it's not the will and the purpose of God, you will const constantly be chasing the wind. Constantly. Constantly be frustrated. Constantly not being fulfilled. Constantly being depressed. Constantly trying to find other things to fill the voids. Oh, if I just go on another vacation, I'd be okay. I see people that just vacation themselves out because they're trying to escape life. Or if I just have a, another relationship, you know, ungodly relationship, I'll be fine. Oh, I know I'm going to meet the one. This, this one got to be the one this time. She's got to be the one this time. He's got to be the one this time. You constantly, it's like chasing a wind. You'll never catch it. And you constantly live a life outside of his purpose and outside of his will. And it's, it's like chasing the wind. It's like going in circles, like a dog chasing his tail. You would never be fulfilled, even with money. You see people with millions of dollars, millions of dollars committing suicide, millions of dollars unhappy, drugged up, marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage, chasing something, chasing something, trying to fill a void. And the answer is, the only answer is Jesus. I have never been so fulfilled in my life. God is amazing. And I'm going to tell you, it's not in the world. You'll never find it there. Oh, it's in the having a baby. Oh, it's in getting married. Oh, it's in this. Those are wonderful things, but that is not fulfillment. That is not purpose, right? Find out what God's purpose is for your life. How do we do that? Lord, I pray that you would show me what my purpose is. Nine times out of 10, it's something that you're passionate about. It's something that he has put in you that irritates you when things are, things are not right. Or when things, uh, when you see people, for me, when you see people oppressed. I don't like to see people oppressed. I don't like to see people, um, I, don't see, I don't like injustice. I don't like people being mistreated. So, it, so that, that all ties into deliverance, wanting people to be free from bondage. And then, you know, your administrative gifts and all of your um, uh, giftings that God has given you, you know, knowing how to operate in the worldly system in terms of mo making money and all of these things. But we have to know that it's God's purpose for our lives and not something that we are trying to pursue. 
I think I heard Prophet tell me when he said, he was talking about understanding uh, dreams and visions. And he said that in Job 33, 14, where it talks about God putting us in a sleep to seal the instructions in our ears, though man may not perceive that this is, you know, from God, that dreams are from God. And that God is, what he said was, God is trying to keep us from ourselves, from pursuing our own purpose and doing our own agenda. I've seen medical doctors that, become doctors, but then God calls them into ministry. They thought that their life and their purpose was to be doctors, but they end up being pastors or they end up being preachers. Now, am I saying that God can't call you? Absolutely not. Everything that God created was for us, but everything that he, he gives us in this world is not necessarily our purpose. Some doctors have a purpose to be a doctor, some women have a purpose to be a homemaker, to stay, be a stay-at-home mom. Some men have a purpose to be a musician. It's just all about what God says you're supposed to be doing. It all goes back to him. It all goes back to finding out what your purpose is because you don't want to be just chasing the wind and never being fulfilled. If God has called you to be a doctor, then there's going to be fulfillment in that. There's going to be fulfillment and joy in that. That's going to be um, purpose in it. You're not going to constantly be looking for something else. So that's the word for today, guys. That's the journey. Our journey is to look to Jesus, to find the path that we're supposed to be on and to look to him as our example on how to treat people, how to live as a believer, how to have dominion on the earth and how to move and, and spiritually and practically. There has to be a balance because if he wanted you to be all spiritual all the time, you would never came to earth. This is a practical place. So we have to have practicality and we have to have the natural with the supernatural because we live in this earth. But there are times when we need to move in the supernatural and move in the things of God. And we just have to have that balance. And the only way you're going to have that balance is you're going to also worship God in spirit and in truth. It has to be a marrying of both, not just one. Because you'll be out of balance. That's the word. Thank you so much for watching. Like, comment, share, and subscribe, guys. Until the next time, I will see you in the next video. Be blessed and thank you so much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. And just know that I am praying for you guys daily. Thank you so much and thanks for watching. Bye-bye.